ladies and gentlemen, your host, Tim Banal. No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. we got a special show for you tonight, I think. Um, I'm really excited about it, and that's usually a good sign that it's going to be a great show. Uh, our guest this evening is Fred Anderson, and that's right. Friend, right? Yeah. Okay. I was That's like, great. I don't know. Do I do I hang on the S for a little bit? There's two, <laughs> two S's. Sounded good. In his... Sounded good to me. There you go. Uh, Fred Anderson. Uh, folks in the scene probably know who he is. They probably heard uh, him recently on some shows, uh, especially towards. Uh, well, I guess this is January now, so uh, in the fall, as he is the author of the new book Northern Lights: High Strangeness in Sweden. He is a researcher of high strangeness and particularly UFOs and humanoids in Sweden. Um, and it didn't dawn on me till I had booked Fred to come on the show and was, I had actually seen the pictures, but I kind of hadn't all really put it all together. And I'm like, oh, he's friends with Klaus Vaughn, who we had on Banal of America back in 2009, which is crazy. Uh, so we were doing you we were doing UFOs in Klaus Vaughn's first ever American broadcast yeah. interview. So yeah, we were we were doing UFOs in Sweden uh back in two thousand nine, folks. So I don't know, fifteen years ago or something. Um and it was a fantastic interview and I feel old now because it was because Fred's like, he's kinda like my mentor. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've been in this too long now. I've interviewing the guy now i'm interviewing his protege like this is crazy <laughs> my mother's a school teacher it happens to her she gets a kid she's been doing it for 50 years she's taught now two generations maybe even three of well, one or two particular families it's crazy um so the book is northern lights high strangeness in sweden and as i was telling fred before we get on the air i literally i try to time my reading of the books with the interview because if i read the book like a month earlier i'm going to forget all the stuff so I just sort of started reading towards the middle of this week, right after uh, Christmas, and, and wrapped up the book three, four hours ago uh, this afternoon. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It's it's you were saying earlier this is your second language, I presume, or maybe you might be you folks in Europe speak multiple. It might be your third or fourth. I don't know. It's <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Certainly a second language of yours, um, and it was beautifully written, man. You should be very proud of yourself. I was, it, it was captivating. It was, it was uh, thought provoking. It was thoughtful. Um, we'll get into some of these other parts. Of it. it was philosophical in a lot of ways. It really spoke to me, and um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I really, you know, I was just like, I, I really kind of devoured it over the last few days reading it, and, and, and enjoyed it quite a bit. As I said, it's beautifully written. You should be very proud of yourself, and. Uh, and hugely informative, of course. Uh, tons of stories that most folks have probably never heard. Any, especially folks in the UFO world, uh, these are a lot of fresh stories here in this book. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I'm first of all, I'm 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 happy you like it. It's, you know, it's always nervous to to go on uh, go on a podcast when someone read the book, and sometimes, <laughs> to be honest, I kind of sense that they didn't like the book that much. You know, yeah. Maybe they're not as effusive in their praise as I was. I should have. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I stepped on like myself here. Fred Anderson, welcome to Been All of America. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for doing the show. There we go. Now my OCD can can relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
Well, I, I, anyway, I'm, I, I'm happy you mentioned the other parts of the book. I mean, it, to be honest, it, the idea from the beginning was to just write a typical one chapter, one case, tell it all, the information, and then get over it. But I felt when I started to write these, these chapters about these cases that, that you know, it, it led me somewhere else all the time or or to folklore or to other cases and something so it, but personally when i read the book uh which i, I don't do often but sometimes i have to read to read it <laughs> it, it kind of feels a little bit like a you know stream of consciousness sometimes where when i write and yeah that probably was because it was a stream of consciousness writing going on there I like that about the book, though. It was conversational almost. It was yeah. very – you would sort of make a point, and then you'd be like, well, let's, let's revisit that in a moment or something like that. And I was like, all right, this is – I like that a lot. It was very down-to-earth, no pun intended, considering mm-hmm. the subject matter. But, mm-hmm. yeah. So yes. as we tradi- – okay. So as we traditionally start on the show with new guests, what's the bio, the background? Who is Fred Anderson? How did you get interested in all this? I love the story at the beginning about going to the UFO – yeah. Thing in the bus depot. It was like, oh my god! I've heard these kind of stories from a lot of folks who've been on the show over the years. Uh, uh, Steve Berg being dropped off at the MUFON convention, like at the age of eight or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, but so, give us the bio, the background. How'd you get interested in this stuff? Um, sounds like you've had a storied, you know, pretty seasoned career in this. Mm-hmm. Part. You know, you're a big part of UFO Sweden, as I said, Klaus Fon. It was like, wow, this is really. You know, this is really cool. So tell us your bio, your background, uh, and how you got mixed up in all this. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a. You know, I, I, I'm raised at a, in, in what you would call, you could call a, a kind of a religious cult. So we we oh, wow. we lived we lived a, a bit, you know, what's say we we didn't have that much contact with people around. Uh, uh, because my my mom had some issues and she found uh, Jesus and we ended up at this place. And I, as a kid, I was very, very skeptical. So I kept the distance to everything that happened there. Uh, But I saw so many weird things, you know, or heard, you know, from, you know, uh, uh, talking in tongues and healings and miracles, etc., etc. But I was skeptical about it because I have a difficult time to accept that there would be some almighty ruler somewhere who, who, who controls everything we do. I found that silly even as a kid. So I, I kind of studied the weirdness, weirdness that was going on. And somehow along the way, my, my mom gave me, she's a great mom, by the way, even if she was in that environment, she gave me a book about UFOs and uh, a Swedish book. And that, you know, made me fall in love with the subject. And it was, it was quite critical book also, quite skeptical, but yeah. so much information, so much cool images and photos, of course, because that's what I wanted as a kid. Uh, <laughs> so, so it, it, it's some kind of merge between that um, religious, re- religious upbringing and just getting a UFO book in my hands as a kid, you know, it was a, great mix somehow even if it was traumatic (laughs) (laughs) interesting yeah all right that's 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 my theory at least i mean i i like horror movies a lot and i i 
I, I, I think that it might be because all of those gory Jesus paintings in church, you know, it, <laughs> you know, it had some, some, yeah, you know, it, was, it could have been something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. So did you get, now you're part of UFO Sweden, so like did you try to follow sort of in a sense like your path, some people, it sounds like UFO Sweden is for, and I mean this with, all due respect, it's kind of like MUFON, you know, it's a sort of like the natural UFO group. <laughs> and that's all due respect to UFO Sweden, not MUFON. <laughs> but so I imagine so you kind of got involved with this group and, and became like a part of this and became in the field, if you will, more than just like someone who was a fan, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it began a little bit earlier than that because I was a hugely skeptical person for a number of years uh maybe kind of as a, a, a revolt against myself you know coming from that the upbringing i had so it wasn't until uh, i don't remember when it was but i was working as a segment producer for a paranormal show called the Ushenda, and uh, I, I i did so many interviews with people who had experienced something out of the ordinary so yeah. I kind of just started to change my mind a little bit. When, when I started it, I had this idea that everyone is insane because that was, that was how my life was at the time. So I felt, you know, this, you know, this is absurd. But when you sit down and talk with people, so many, and I mean, it's, it starts, it's starting to grow, to grow on you. The, this whole idea with something else than just our, you know, consensus reality we have around us, you know, there is something more. Uh, so I kind of just started my UFO interest again and, and uh, uh, did a subscription on UFO Sweden's uh, magazine, which is great, by the way, and slowly got more and more involved uh, in, in, in the organization, um, which, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't even expect all the drama because everyone... <laughs> Everyone feels thinks that we're either tinfoil hats or that we're a debunker organization, and right, it's, right. yeah, and it's nothing like that. It's just the the mystery. What the what the hell is it? You know, the flying right, around. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boy, well, I'm going to pull a quote from you. This I'll probably be do this a few times in the course of the interview because uh, you know, as I'm reading oh. the book, I made sort of notes in here, but I. Found it really interesting, and it, it, it's borne out in the book. But you say the presence of the extraordinary inside the out of the ordinary that makes me feel alive. And it's ironic that you say that because I just talked to Greg Bishop for the year in review show, um, like two to three days ago, and he mentioned that Jacques Vallée at the, at the Soul Conference was like, We have to start looking for the really weird cases because that's where the weird stuff is. So it's sort of the same idea, mm -hmm. you know, it must be kind of in the zeitgeist, I guess, right now, but um. And then, as I said, it's borne out in the book because the case, a lot of the cases are really just the ones that are strange, the really strange stuff, the strange within the UFO sighting. It's like there's a UFO sighting, but now it takes a really strange turn. Um, I guess we'll just talk about that theme or that idea that you mm -hmm. explore in the book. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, um, uh, I mean, uh, a few interesting dots in the sky can be a mystery by itself, but 
I mean, I'm talking talking from my own, you know, personal perspective here. That with with, with the strange parts, the the strangeness that might show up, it it gives a boost to it gives a a, a boost and uh, what's the word in English here? Um, kind of at least for me, it it triggers my imagination because yeah. I feel that there is imagination in the works and that if that imagination is a creation by the witness or the phenomenon or a combination, you know, it's stuff like thoughts like that, that, that intrigues me with it. Yeah. Um, I, I just like it when it turns not normal because I mean tic tacs and go fast and everything like that are to be honest quite boring you know I, yeah, I yeah. need something else to feel happy with it uh, yeah yeah and what's interesting too is um, there's a richness to those cases a lot of them in the book too um, the, there's a level of detail that you're not going to get just from lights in the sky where it's like okay now the guy showed up and it's like alright now you're really dealing with some wild stuff you're getting more information than you would from oh there's a light in the sky it was about this big it moved this fast you kind of run out of options when when it like lands and does something weird or there's a humanoid involved then you're you're dealing with a whole nother layer of information that you just can't mm -hmm. wrap your arms around with a standard ufo site have you have you read whitley streber's latest book them no uh, i um, I, I kind of had given up on Streber, you know, I, I, I read Communion, which I like a lot. I think it's a great book and some early weirdness there. But I, for some reason, I decided to buy them uh, even, uh, ah, you know, I, I did it. And I, I, I found this very interesting because I think it's one of the few books, maybe the only book so far I read, where he analyzes cases that people have sent him, pe people's own personal experiences, and he looks at them from a s symbolic viewpoint. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. So he, he kind of, you know, you know, okay, the humanoid looked like this, did like this. That could be a, you know, a, a, a language by itself. Uh, um, hieroglyphs, you can say, in, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, some kind of reality mode. Um, and I, I enjoyed that take a lot, you know, when it when it came to analyzing high strangeness, because I, in some way I came to sense that he might be right there, that it's a very highly subjective language we're we're looking at, or maybe I'm taking it too seriously now. Now I sound really seriously here, but serious. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, mean, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's yeah. There's a certain there's something beyond what we think we're we've been dealing with for all this time. It's certainly, mm -hmm. it's way more complicated than uh, you see, like on TV, where they're like, "Oh, oh yeah. it's aliens." It's like, you know, not, some of them might just be aliens. I, I don't rule that out, but it's a lot of times it's it's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. It's like something is it's in the <laughs> eye of whatever they're seeing. These people who have these experiences. Um. Well, one of the we'll start right on page one actually because uh, we already I already hit the introduction, but the uh, you made an interesting point. It was one of those things, no pun intended, where like a light went off. I'm like, I never even thought of it that way. But you mentioned you sort of make the observation that lights are signs of living stuff. You kind of liken, um, you know, the human fascination with UFOs to like animals with shiny objects, and it's like, well, we kind of have this fascination with light, and it's like because lights 
are signs of living stuff. And I never really thought about that. But when you really kind of apply it to any form of light, it's true. It's like, you know, the sun is alive in a sense. Stars are alive. But it's like a light, if you see a light somewhere, it has to have emanated, like, from someone with a light or some kind of human creation that produces light um, for the most part, you know, or, hey, bioluminescent fish or whatever. Still, it's a living thing. So it's a really interesting observation that I never – I never sort of had even considered before. So uh, thank you for that. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, it's, it's uh, I can once again only go go to myself, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, when because you know I spend a lot of time at least in the summer because it's so cold here now. It's not cold, but it's nasty. Uh, I spend a lot of time in, in nature. Um, uh, outdoors even even late at night and and the the, the the when i see a light i can i see a human walking out in the forest or on some countryside road or uh maybe a city far away or a town far away houses it it gives me such a uh comfortable feeling maybe not meeting a human outside in the forest in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah 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 that would be really really scary but uh i mean i i've, I've had several um uh, I, I can't find the word there but uh, i i love sitting on hills outside civilization yeah. and look at the civilization look at the, the lights down there the life down there and and it's it's like Oh, I feel like getting so mumbo jumbo here now. But yeah, I feel that the light itself is so important because it it obviously attracts our fascination. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. it can be scary, it can be beautiful, but it it is it, there. And you know, in in many humanoid cases, not all, of course, but a bunch of them, the humanoid have often have a box on its belly. With a bright yeah. light coming from it, for example, or a flash, you know, like, like, yeah, once again, like, you know, those lamps, you know, attracting flies and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is very interesting. Yeah, I can imagine overlooking the thought that mine was like an ant farm. You're overlooking a city. It's yeah. kind of like you're watching an ant farm in a way. Um, now, I, I purposely tried to keep my notes away from sort of this call and response, like, tell the story, tell this story from the book, because I'm sure you run into that a lot when you do podcasts anyway. But there is one, there's a couple in here, but there's one story that, like, really jumped out at me that I wanted to know more about. And that's because it involves you, so you could probably add more color to even maybe what you added in the book. And this is the Loam story mm. of this character that keeps showing up at your house. So I guess tell us this story and, and uh, I'll probably hit you with some <laughs> follow-up <laughs> questions because it's very, very weird. Uh, I can't quite wrap my mind around it. It's uh, I'd be really troubled by it. Maybe you were, but tell, tell the story and, and, and uh, so folks can catch up on what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This was a couple of years ago. I do not remember which year and I was doing research for the book about men in black Swedish men in black cases because I always enjoyed the Swedish view on it. Right. Uh, and I was, you know, digging quite deep. It's, it, there's not so many cases uh, with, with, uh, you know, with men in black here, but I found a couple. And, you know, when you, you, 
when you write, you always go around thinking about the chapters, the details, if you can take another, you know, path in the text or whatever. So I was yeah. very, very deep in it at the time. And uh, I was walking home from the store up to the building where we live. And I, I passed a guy, I, a man was walking towards me and passed me. And I kind of sensed that he, somehow he, uh, his attention got caught, you know, when he passed me. And right. uh, so I continued to walk and I felt that someone is looking at me. I feel that someone is staring at me. So I turn around and I see the man standing, you know, like fucking Michael Myers, basically on the, on the, Jesus. you know, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. hands down and looking at me and I feel, okay, okay, I will hurry home here. So I, I like you never should, I do a, a, a shortcut through a park, which is like the, the best place ever to get killed or attacked. You know, I've seen so many, <laughs> movies, but I, I do that anyway, because I know the park and I look back and I see that he's following me. And he and when I stop and I, I I look, he's just standing there once again, like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or 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 a Man in Black. I don't know. Right. So I continue home and I lock the door and everything is fine. Uh, I I don't remember how how long after, but I, I I'm in the living room and I see how the cats are focusing on something in the hallway which I find weird, so I go and check on the cats, and I see that they're studying the door, the door to the apartment, and I can see how the handle is moving slowly. <laughs> up and down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's... it's I really it's like, love the story. I'm like, holy yeah, shit. It's like a horror movie, really. Yeah. I was, uh, so weird, and I look out the... the um, the what do you call it? The, the, the peephole? No, the... Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the peephole. Yeah. Yeah, and I see this guy standing outside my door, you know, very, very close to it, touching the handle. And because I'm stupid, because I never, you know, I open the door and I ask, what, what do you want? Are you looking for someone? And the guy asks for loam or loam. I actually don't remember now how I pronounce it, but loam. And I like, there's no loam here. There's nothing, you know, loam. He wants to see loam. I say, sorry, there is no loam here. And I close the door and he continues to stand outside, close to the door. Uh, and, uh, you know, I call friends and, you know, I can't do so much. I mean, he, he hasn't threatened me or anything. He just yeah, stands yeah, there. Yeah. So what can I do? Uh, so this starts like a month of daily visits by the uh, loam guy. Uh, he's he's standing outside the door. He uh, one night around midnight he 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 uses the doorbell and really upsets my partner here. Uh, and one, another night we find him outside standing looking up at the balcony and oh, <laughs> I can only, yeah, yeah I can only see his white eyes glimmering in the in the in the light which was really really scary so I started to you know it was but the fun thing and I know it's probably tragic because after a month with this guy he was like a buddy I mean <laughs> when, when you came home from work he was standing by the door asking for lamb and you said hello hello and you you know it was I, you know, it, but you just, just get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, he yeah. like? Did he, yeah, did he yeah. like ask? Did, was he like? 
is loam here, or did he just say loam? Was he like? No, it, 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 <laughs> I think he mixed a little bit. Uh, sometimes loam, and sometimes uh, 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 is loam here or similar, similar. Words. But never anything else beyond that. No, like, never, never anything. That's else. so no. weird. Yeah, and I was like. <laughs> because you know me, I, I, I look at, I'm like wondering what is Luam? Is that a name? Is it something else? And so I, I, uh, I, I, I don't remember the order here, but I think I first I use uh, Alan Greenfield's uh, the secret cipher of the Euphonauts, uh, and I, I, I write the, the the word Luam in it. And the words that comes up is just only soul and lurking and shadows, very dark words, you know. And I also realized that luam is a certain form of soil. You mix some soils, so it gets kind of muddy and you use it in the garden. It's also spelled lam, L-A-M, which of course is the entity that Elsa Crowley <laughs> contacted uh, uh, a long, long time ago and, and drew the infamous... Uh, painting of, of or drawing of, of the entity Lam, or maybe it's a self-portrait of Crowley himself. Uh, so it, but you know, the, the Lam guy disappeared. I haven't seen him since. Uh, so weird. Yeah, it, but yeah. Did he look like? What did he look like? Was he just look like a normal dude? He, he looks shy. Yeah. He had a. He, he, he. I'm afraid he wasn't dressed in in. Uh, in uh, in a suit or an old-fashioned hat or anything that would have yeah, yeah, yeah. looked like a quite normal dude. He had a hoodie also, so it's kind of covered, so you can open yeah, his face yeah. was in shadow. Uh, but I I always thought, no, not always, but after an incident involving shrooms a couple of years ago, I've I've come <laughs> to, I've come to the the. <laughs> the, the 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 idea that that the phenomenon the phenomena can take people and animals and other things as proxies for itself, you know, like it it wants to be seen, but yeah. it it, does, it doesn't want to be revealed. So that's why people, for example, meet men in black or other weird creature. It's just how the phenomen phenomenon is, uh, you know, affecting their perception basically. Right. And, uh, which is absolutely makes no sense at all, but that's my 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 theory. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was a scary, scary phase uh, of my life, yeah. and I'm I'm, I'm happy he's somewhere else now. <laughs> Did you? Part of me would be like, I feel like I would lose. Like you say, you got kind of used to it, but I feel like at some point I'd kind of lose my shit <laughs> and be like, you know, dude, like get the fuck out of here. Whatever, you know what I mean? You you must be a lot nicer than I am. I think I, just I think the fear would drive me to uh, the the fight response would eventually come up, or I'd be like, if I fucking see you back at my on my doorstep again, Loam, I would start calling him Loam. First of all, I'd be like, you're Loam, dude. That's all I know about you, man. So did you ever try to engage him and be like, hey, man, why do you keep coming back here or anything like that? Well, here's the thing. I, I'm 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 a very non-confrontative person. You know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I generally I'm, am too. But someone yeah, comes over the house for a month straight. Well, I think but, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I remember when when he uh, he rang the doorbell at midnight. Uh, I I remember my partner got pretty pissed off. You know, uh, I, I but, you know I'm, I'm more. Uh, you know, I'm. You know, I I I feel very, of course, very. Un, you know. I'm not 
not sure what's going on, you know, because it's so so different from my ordinary realities. I don't know what to do, right. really. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, the the Luam guy, yeah, I, I almost said I kind of missed him, but I don't, so I, because I don't want him to show up here. Oh, he's, he's going to hear us talking about him. Yeah. Show up. <laughs> the, the odd thing I, I I have to mention it. I probably mentioned it somewhere else. It's not in the book. Is that uh, a while later? Um, I was uh, a friend sent me a photo of some weird tracks in Norway, and we were joking that it must be troll photo, uh, troll uh, footprints. Uh, because they look like that. And uh, so that was fun. Ha, ha, ha. Cool photos. Um, a few hours later, I got an email saying from some British production company saying, can we use this photo of you and the troll? Because my partner took a photo of me and with some kind of pareidolia effect, it looks like it's a troll standing uh, behind me. Kind of oh, wow. Yeah, it's a quite, I like the photo a lot. And I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. So we have two troll things in one day suddenly from nowhere. And awesome. later that evening, I was going to the store through the park I mentioned earlier. And exactly at the same spot where this guy stood looking at me in the park, exactly at the same spot, I see something. I see, it, it looks like a tiny humanoid, you know, something weird on the, oh, wow. on, the, on the trail. And I walk closer to it, and it's a, it's a small wooden troll. Someone had, oh, wow. carved, yeah, someone had carved a troll and put it there. I, of course, I still have it. I took it directly. Uh, nice. Yeah, so I, that's a, a little added flavor to that story. Wow. <laughs> um, now, one of the... Something that really caused me to raise my eyebrows uh, as I was reading the book, and, and and I don't even know if this is like possible to do as a book, but if you write anything, I'm sure you're going to write other stuff in the future. What I loved about Northern Lights is I'm kind of a student of the history of the people in the phenomenon, if you will, the history of people studying the phenomenon, and there's all kinds of great sort of little nuggets in there about different people in Swedish ufology who had a role in different stuff and it was really, really cool. So yeah, if you ever I would love to read, even if it's just a long essay, sort of like a history of Swedish ufology. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more in a sense because it sounds like a very rich community mm -hmm. over there, which is uh, awesome. But but there was one character you mentioned and I'm like, this raised my eyebrows to like, oh, wait a minute. And maybe you are, maybe just saying that you already know who I'm talking about. But this guy uh, Jan Ove Sundberg <laughs> who, and I, who you describe as a notorious hoaxer, compulsive liar. So I'm like, I really like this guy. Then you like stalker, and I'm like, oh wait a minute. And then they say, and many other even more horrifying things. So yes, so, so at the risk of, of telling tales out of school, talk about this character Jan O. Sundberg, who I, he, he reminded me of the guy who. Um, it was a great Barker who kind of came up with the Men in Black thing. And it is, he comes up and he seems like the guy who kind of popularized the Men in Black in Sweden. He was sort of the guy who was talking about it. But what, for, what are these many other horrifying things? What is this cat all about? All right. <laughs> who is this Jan O. Sundberg? Because he sounds like villainous. And I'm like, oh, shit, what, what's this guy's deal? I'm, I'm, Jan O. Sundberg is, uh, for a long time, he was... He was some kind of legend in Swedish ufology for those who didn't know him. And let me point out that I didn't know him. He passed away now. So I, that's why I could 
write about him. Uh, he began his career in the beginning of the 70s within Ufo Sverige and other, or Ufo Sweden and other uh, local organizations. And he had a, a great fascination for cryptids. Uh, so he did the expeditions uh, at uh, Loch Ness, for example, and he did that up until, you know, quite late in his life. Uh, where, and, and all the specialists, you know, lake monsters, he loved them. The thing with Jan Uwe is that you notice quite, he had a serious side, but he also kind of just, he made all the stories a little bit larger, you know, and that's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that because I, you know, I love that kind of, you know, speculative journalism in this field. I don't mind it, yeah. really. Uh, the problem was, I'd say, that he began to make up made up make up or made up completely new stories yeah you fabricated know, yeah fabricated you know he, he he pretended to be uh uh the writer of a letter who wrote in a fascinating story and you so even if you don't even if his name isn't under the text you can often see that okay this is written by Jan Uwe so Jan Uwe got crazier and crazier he actually stalked Klaus Swan, our friend here. Oh, wow, okay, that's the yeah. stalking part, all right. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Oh, what? He, he stalked Klaus, he stalked uh, Klaus' parents. He oh, Jesus, even I don't mean released, that's crazy, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, he even released his own local magazine that only was about how evil Klaus Swan uh, is. Oh, God. Yeah, it's insane, actually. And uh, Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, so, well, and anyway, I didn't know this before I wrote the book, and I decided, okay, fuck it. I just added that he's a horrible person. But uh, uh, before he died, he was also in prison for sexually molesting children. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that's the, so, the more horrifying thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 I thought it might be something, yeah, I thought you might be alluding to something particularly egregious, but I'm like, I don't know with this field, who the fuck knows, you know? Yeah, yeah. but wow. he, he he was quite the character, yeah, and uh, he had an, uh, he had a very un-Swedish way of doing investigations and writing right. books and, and articles, and I enjoyed that. It kind of just got very, very tainted by the, by the pedophile thing towards the end of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Jesus. He's not, he's not fun really anymore, you know. Um, no, he's a villain. He's a total villain. Yeah, exactly. Monster. You know, so yeah. It's a pity wow. because he, he, he made up stories about Loch Ness and UFOs and Men in Black and, you know, but sometimes you also feel that, okay, he probably took a story somewhere and he just added some details to it. Uh, so, I mean, many of the frogmen in black stories I have in the book is is from his archive of stories. But uh, yeah. as I also mentioned, you shouldn't trust this guy. But it's interesting to at least see the stories have some kind of life. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a dark turn. Yeah, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I thought he was just like an eccentric character. Now I'm like, oh no, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Well, <laughs> what can uh, I say? <laughs> well, we'll move on to a different a different ufologist that you mentioned in the book, and that's Bevan Berthelsen. What I found interesting here is you say he was a UFO researcher for about eight years. Then he left the community and joined with his wife the spiritual movement 
Sabud. So what what is Sabud? And that's a very I it's a very believable in a way kind of transition if you think about it. It's like if you're into UFOs, I can see kind of you move into some other you're done with I don't want UFOs anymore. I'm gonna I'm tapped into this spiritual movement. But what is what was the spiritual movement? It was like the the eighties or something, or relatively. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it still exists. It's I, to be honest, I I I I haven't looked too so close at it. It's it seems like it's based on some kind of uh, Hindu Hindu uh, Hindu mythology belief. Uh, it clearly belongs as a seventies invention. Uh, because yeah. so many things like that happened in Sweden, and he ended up in it. Uh, it, it you know, the seventies was such an interesting period in 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 Ukosveria or the UFO community in Sweden because it had this weird seventies ultra bizarre mix of esoterica and the occult and lots and lots of drugs, and then you had <laughs> UFOs in the middle of it. Um, so I mean, this created a huge split in in, in Ufo Sweden in the beginning of the eighties, where where you know you had the the believers who had a more esoteric view on it, and then you had those who believed everything was nuts and bolts basically. So they had a fight, uh, uh, and you know it, it was almost destroyed the whole whole organization there. Nowadays we kind of everyone has become friends again, but we're trying to keep yeah. it on a professional level, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was kind of what happened in America with the, uh, I think APRA was more open to the, you know, uh, occupants situation, and the other yeah. organizations were like, yeah, we're not dealing with occupants right now, we're just trying to figure <laughs> out what the lights are. So. <laughs> well, uh, one thing if it's, uh, one thing is for sure that, I mean, uh, UFOs and humanoids in Sweden was way more fun in the 60s and 70s compared to what it is today, which it seems yeah. to be something that is all over the world. I mean, the, the fun humanoid cases you found in the 70s or 60s, at least here, and and nowadays it's just dots in the sky, and I think that's so boring. It's once again going back to this imagination, 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 thing. Sorry, my English. Okay, you're doing <laughs> but, fine now. Uh, <laughs> it's like it 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 lacks power, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's I, an interesting observation. Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, yeah like. That's, yeah. I, I, think, I think we're so oversaturated with information and uh, images and stuff that we yeah. we don't have the imagination to to manifest these things because I personally personally feel it has to do with ourselves. You know, it could be could of course be some other kind of intelligence, something else, but I still think it's a part of us. Um yeah. <laughs> well I wonder if it's a I kind of talked a little bit about this with Steve Berg uh way back when we first relaunched the show, but it was like now that we have the internet, you you can if you want to learn about Egypt, you can just fucking learn about it like you can just go online and spend all day learning about it and back in the day you had to like put the work in and you had to go and get books at the library or buy them or whatever it was a lot more difficult so i wonder if in a sense like our if imagination is like a sense maybe it's become dulled due to the people are losing that sense of wonder 
Yeah. Where before, yeah. You, you, would, you know, you would dream of Egypt. You would think about it. You would kind of try to conceptualize it in your mind because all you have are like books and pictures and maybe like a documentary or two or whatever. But now it's like you could you could just become so immersed in the subject, you don't really need to wonder about it as much. So I wonder if like the internet's caused our senses to the, the sense of, of imagination to dull. I'm absolutely sure of it. I mean, I I, I can sense it myself sometimes. Where I feel like I haven't, you know, I'm, I, I've had too much information. I have too much stuff in my head and I just need to, you know, delete it somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like my, my, yeah, it's the imagination. I'm just too tired, you know, and that's right. Sad, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of, I mean, of course people saw and experienced weirder things before because they, 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 they kind of were forced to it, you know. They yeah, they yeah. needed to use their their. I, now I sound like a grumpy old man here, and I I'm not <laughs> to do that. Of course, it just feels like we're we've lost something. We really lost yeah. something. Yeah, that's um, for sure. And like people will imagine about it, but it's like look at all the reboots and sequels and shit. It's like yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe that's symptomatic of the whole of, of the whole uh, thing. I don't know. Um, it is interesting. I talked about this with Zillia Edgar like back a few years ago on the show, but it, it, yeah, it seems like, and I'm sure you can relate because it seems like that's the case in Sweden too. It's like the really fucking good cases, like these humanoid encounters, these weird encounters, not necessarily sightings, but just encounters. Like we just don't see them anymore. Like you mm. just don't. I mean, look, I'm the news guy for Coast to Coast. Like I don't think I ever hear any stories about somebody encountering a person from outside, you know in the mm-hmm. fashion that we do back in these crazy stories. So it's really weird that that, that all of a sudden there's this drop off of humanoid encounters. And now we just don't see them at all. Like sometime in, I don't know, the eighties or whatever, or the nineties, they just kind of really fizzled out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think we have, we have, we have like two humanoid encounters in Sweden in the last 20 years or something that we feel yeah. it's, it is something interesting with because you have a lot of people that are not well uh, reporting stuff also. But yeah. here and there, there, there is some some people really seeing something out of the ordinary. ordinary. I, I remember the, the, I, I, the weirdest one, there's several ones, but this was, I think it was 2011 in Växjö. And there's a guy who's bicycling in the morning to work. It's before six o'clock. And he's bicycling in the middle of, you know, uh, an area with villas. And, you know, it's very, everyone lives there. You know, it's a, it's a, in the center of town. And when he comes bicycling, he sees this giant or giant. It's like, it's like a robotic character, like two meters tall with, with kind of animated eyes, kind of like, um, uh, what's that creature that they saw in 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 the UK in England in the early seventies? Like a robot clown, basically. Oh, like the Sandown Man or whatever Sandown. Yeah, Sandown yeah, Sam, like Sam. Yeah, exactly. Kind of feels like that one, and he has like round feet, you know, round underneath. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's wow. it's like, yeah, and he almost crashes into this guy coming walking, and and then the the bicyclist just drives away he's scared looks looks behind him and sees how this uh, humanoid robotic thing kind of dissol- dissolves and fades away into nothing 
that's I think it's kind of the the, the last one we we had what we know about. In yeah, yeah. At least, at least, come on. I, 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 I want to go out and, and investigate the humanoid case, you know, and I haven't done that yet. So, yeah, well, it's interesting. It kind of connects to one of the other notes I have here. You, you mentioned that Simonton. You talk about the famous Simonton pancake story in relation to Swedish stories involving um, food being offered to uh, experiencers, if you will. Um, and you mentioned how Simonton really regretted telling the story. And, and you say, these details fascinate me. And, and it fascinates me, too, in a sense, where it's like, and you mentioned, like, why? The, the argument from the skeptics is always like, oh, they're looking for attention. And it's like, the, mm-hmm. the attention these people get is not, sure, I guess some people get off on negative attention. But, like, this is really, you got to be a fucking masochist to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be, to be, and these don't, a lot of people don't strike me as masochists. Like, they're, they're children or, or, or housewives or priests or police officers or, like, not the kind of person mm-hmm. you think would want to subject themselves to community ridicule. But yet they feel also compelled to share this story mm-hmm. despite what might befall them. It's a very interesting psychological thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine that also if you have that experience I, I, I mean, I for one would like to talk about it. I would probably sit on your podcast here and tell my humanoid story if I could tell someone about it. Because, I mean, would I just keep it within me? You know, I, I'm right. not sure I could handle that, you know. Then yeah, people yeah. might think I'm crazy. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I never met a humanoid, so I can't re- reveal anything like that to you. But... It's 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 um, yeah. I, I think it needs to get out somehow. I'm I'm fully okay with people, you know, cashing in a little bit. If they had a weird experience, write yeah. your book or or do your talk or whatever, you know. I mean, use it, you know. I, I you know sometimes I think it's unfair. Yeah, I, I, I you have this grifter discussion and of course you have a lot of grifters in in this subject but sometimes just let people enjoy their lives if they've been kidnapped by a ufo let them talk about it let them yeah. earn some money <laughs> yeah no i have no yeah it's when you're taking advantage of people and like yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> if they're like yeah if they suddenly form a cult or whatever then it's like yeah. right, i've gone too far but yeah if you want to sell your story or whatever yeah i really don't have a a problem with that so yeah. it's lots of people you know all over sell their stories <laughs> less interesting yeah. stories all the time so but um i'm not sure why i started to talk about that but because probably i had a little bit of whiskey now so my my mind oh, is go. going you have a ghost behind you i know <laughs> it's all right it's all right that's my mom passing through <laughs> she'll like that um <laughs> Let me see here. Oh, so what? I, one of the things that really kind of, again, another one of those things that kind of raised my eyebrows, and I, you might have noticed, sort of these little things. I sort of picked up on these little little snippets in the book where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting observation. Or that's a odd little moment. And at one point, there's a witness. This is a February 2nd, 1971 case. A witness finds what I believe are like some snow circles on its roof. Yeah. And he says, he's talking to like a researcher, or investigator, or whatever, and he says almost nonchalantly, he says, I don't believe they were elves or gnomes. They moved north a long time ago. Yes. And it, it just struck me as really remarkable. And the reason I mentioned the date is to sort of put it in perspective, like sort of the time frame. Of, but then we're talking 1971. This isn't 
um, the 1800s or whatever. So it's it, it, it was it, how I guess talk a little bit about how ingrained that is in the culture. Maybe maybe it's changed like in modern times. People sort of are, you know, they they put on these the the, the cloak of skepticism to so they because they don't want people to think they're silly or whatever. But talk about sort of the the culture of these gnomes and elves and and trolls and. I presume there's some kind of distinction between them because I can't. <laughs> it's like I kind of like mix them all up, but uh, it's it's quite prevalent in the Swedish culture, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we have several. I call them gnomes. You know, there's like, but you have of course different versions of them. Uh, you have the 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 farm gnome who lives at farms, often under, underneath the houses. And he, because he's always a he, helps out with the farm, and you need to be kind at him. It's pretty basic gnome things right. you find in other countries also. And then you have vettar, which is a bit tinier creatures, humanoids, living often underneath stones or under trees or old grave mounds. I know there's similar stories in the United States about that, yeah, yeah. for example. Uh, on Gotland, which is an island, you have something uh, called the Smaunderjordi, the small ones underneath the, the soil, which is another version of them. And right. I, what I found so amazing, for me at least, is that these stories, these experiences are still, you know, going on in Sweden in, in this day and age. Yeah, uh, yeah. And people, I, I, I sat down on uh, Facebook, actually, and started to copy people's stories uh, when they met gnomes from recent years. And I, I think I copied like 150 stories. Oh, wow. Uh, and because people are seeing them and experiencing them. I, I, I'm aware I just said that there's no humanoid sightings in Sweden, but there's right, a lot right. of gnome sightings. You know, uh, it's and of course you could you could of course maybe it's the same thing all of it it's, a, it's about perception and, and culture and etc cetera, etc cetera. but these gnomes they have the you know they have the beards the pointy hats the old-fashioned clothes they live in yeah. on farms and in nature um i i love that they're still around i really it's amazing really, it really yeah. is it's yeah. remarkable how ingrained they are in the culture it's like oh, like yeah. i said the, the nonchalance with the way the guy said he's like oh yeah they moved north a long time ago they're yeah. like they're <laughs> like they're akin to like deer or other animals where it's just like, Oh yeah, they, they, they used to live in this area, but now they, they migrated North or whatever. It's like, wow, that's really, yeah, yeah that's yeah, really yeah. something, you know, it's really remarkable. Uh, like I said, it raised, it raised my eyebrows. I was just like, wow, this guy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, cool. my, 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 my dream is maybe to do uh, a book only about this in English, uh, because I feel it's not so known outside uh, Scandinavia, at least. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm toying with the idea, trying to write something, see how it feels, because there's so many stories to 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 share, and there's so many ideas about what these gnomes really are. Uh, right, right. I mean, once upon a time they were feared like gods. There were like known gods living on farms, and it was, of course, very it's a heretic thing to to not worship God, but you worship the gnomes instead. Oh, wow. uh, and according to other stories, there were actually have I told this story? No, they they were actually um, 
minions or devils thrown out from heaven together with Lucifer. So when they landed in the forest, they became trolls, or the mountains, ah. they, they became trolls, and on farms, they became gnomes. So they were kind of feared uh, uh, for a long time, felt like they were kind of demonic creatures, basically. Yeah, yeah. But of course, that has changed since then. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I love those little fellas. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable. It's, it's, you know, just talking about how people have these encounters still, um, it's almost hard for me to wrap my mind around, like a culture <laughs> where it's accepted and sort of celebrated and embraced to the point where people feel okay, where they're like, yeah, I've seen these, these things. Um, it's well, really, I mean, uh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's rarely you read about it in media or, you know, television nowadays, but you have to, you know, go and talk with people and look at what people write down because there's where right. the stories are. Uh, I mean, the, the beliefs in ghosts is a big thing in Sweden. Uh, for example, it's always been more okay to, to talk about ghosts than UFOs because UFOs, oh, wow. yeah, UFOs is a bit more strange. Everything, yeah. it's not just your grandma floating around in the kitchen saying something nice. It's like slimy humanoids doing weird stuff <laughs> on the field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. Uh, so, but I, I, I do hope to, that we can change the, the stigma there is because I think it, people need to be able to tell their weird stories without getting laughed at. And I think many people have a, an issue with that in, in, in this country, at least. Right, right. Well, I think I remember talking about this with, uh, with Klaus. Now, I didn't go back and listen to the show because I hate to listen to my own <laughs> shit. So, and I'm like, I don't even want to know what I sounded like in 2009. So, but I read the recap and it was, um, it did sort of ring a bell where it's like, there's a certain, um, and I suppose in a very different way, America has this experience, had this kind of experience because of the Cold War, but Sweden is so close to Russia that there was certainly had to be some kind of influence in a way where it was like, there's an uneasiness about lights in the sky and lights mm -hmm. underwater and all that stuff because it's like, we're really close to Russia. They might be, you know, you're right on the doorstep of Russia, certainly during the Cold War. It, that sort of, I can imagine, added a tinge of uneasiness to the UFO enigma. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm raised in Sweden in the 80s, and the paranoia was huge in schools. We we of course saw animated movies about nuclear fallout, and we got to know how the shelters worked outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the building. Uh, but um, I mean, connecting to what Klaus said in in the episode from 2009, he, he talked a lot about uh, the ghost rockets, for example, and the the, the ghost flyers. And uh, the, the ghost rockets, I find this a very, very fascinating case. It's really, really weird. Yeah. Uh, but we had, you know, as mentioned in the book, we had similar uh, flaps uh, connected to paranoia regarding Soviet or Russia. Uh, Russia nowadays, of course. Uh, we had the submarine craze in the 80s where people saw unknown submarines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Phantom yeah. submarines. Yeah. It's like, it was exactly like a UFO flap, but people saw the submarines. So there were blurry photos and witnesses and stuff. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we had a, a drone uh, a flap 
around uh, nuclear plants and and uh, official you know government buildings people suddenly saw mysterious drones flying around and not in one single case they could find a drone uh, right. People just saw a dot, it could have been a star, it could be something else, but people reported in drones and everyone thought it was once again Russia doing the, the, the stuff uh, out there. So it's interesting to, to compare all these flaps uh, during the years. Uh, yeah. Because I think paranoia has something to do with it also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the chapter of the book that I really love because I've kind of taken an interest in this, I haven't. It's, it's sort of just sort of the seed sort of just kind of started sprouting. Not that I hadn't um, heard of this all before, but now I'm like, lately I've been like, really want to get into this and see more, hear more about this. So I was delighted when I got to the paragraph, like wings of a dragonfly, where you discuss <laughs> these UFO cases that sound more like organic creatures. Because there's a part of me that wonders if, one aspect I like in the UFO phenomenon to like clouds. They're all different shapes and they do different, they kind of have different roles in the sky. So it's like, okay, maybe some are alien craft vehicles, maybe some are government, whatever, but maybe some, that small percentage are, are like creatures that fucking live in the sky and we just can't, you know, we just, <laughs> the sky is probably bigger than the ocean. So <laughs> it certainly goes off into, into infinity. So. Who knows? But there's a part of me fascinated by the possibility of these things being biological creatures. I guess talk a little. I mean, I'm just gonna just throw it out there as a blanket thing. Um, I mean, you can you can cite a case or two in, in like Wings of Butterfly if you'd like. Um, if you want to contextualize this, but certainly, what do you, I mean? You, you entertain the idea of the possibility that these things are biological creatures based on some of these cases wherein they resemble or behave like more like an animal than a craft. Yeah, I mean, they, they're at least from our perception, they look like animals, like fishes or, or stingrays or, or uh, but of course, that's what we see or what we right, see, right. because that's the shape they recognize might be something else. Uh, um, it's, it's, a, it's a hypothesis that I find intriguing, uh, mostly because I desperately really want to write about cryptids, but we have so very few in Sweden. <laughs> this was kind of... It was an easy way to write about possible biological creatures, but in the shape yeah, of yeah. UFOs, of course. Um, there's a couple of really interesting ones, but I think the, the, the main case there, uh, where I refer to, to um, the dragon, the, the wings of a dragonfly, is really one of the more curious ones. Uh, you, you had this couple in the mid '80s who was driving home from from one of their mothers, and sees this ball floating above the ground and attached to the ball there's a thick string leading up to two giant wings and everything is kind of glowing and they hit it with the car and it bumps over the car and disappears and they just continue to drive and they don't even talk about it because it's so weird um yeah it happened in like 84 85 uh when i when i talked to them uh last year or no earlier this year uh, to 2023, 20, uh, they still had no idea what it was. They they told me the story exactly like I've heard the, it the first time. Yeah, there's no additions or anything like that. And they also felt that this is. I, I had a sense that this is their life's big mystery. 
because they're a successful couple, they have a little factory, they have uh, uh, children, you know, everything is nice, but it's a quite ordinary and, and nice life, you know. But still, they have this, this, this object they saw one evening hovering, still hovering above them in, in, in a way that gives them some kind of... Uh, uh, curiosity and that's yeah. something like yeah so that's something i've noticed with most people i've talked with that their curiosity on life and universe has just grown tremendously since their uh since their experience and uh okay now i'm i'm I, once again you asked the question i'm somewhere else um no, so you're <laughs> right on <laughs> you're right so, over the target <laughs> you're all right <laughs> uh, I was going to say, based on your description in the book, it's just dawned on me after I've been on this ramble about the biological. Wouldn't Sweden, that area, kind of be ideal if you were a biological, uh, unidentified flying creature? It's, you say it's dark, like, all the fucking time. So that would be <laughs> the safest place for these creatures to reside if they live in the air or whatever, you know? So... That's to me yeah. that because if it's if it's dark like eighteen hours whatever of the day, they can safely fly around and not be noticed for the most part. Yeah, I mean, most of the cases actually is during the winter months, which is something I realized when I kind of was ready to write the last chapter of the book. That you know everything is from like November, October to maybe February, sometimes early March. You know, that, yeah, and yeah. that's the winter month in Sweden where it's pitch black and it's quite horrifying actually because I hate <laughs> this weather. Uh, uh, but yeah, I believe that there is some kind of connection between people's experiences and the uh, time time of the year. I yeah. have absolutely no proof for it except everything I've read and everyone I've talked with. Uh, it's like, I mean, Especially when you go out on the countryside here, here in Sweden, it's also in, in the winter, it's also very, it's silent. It's very, very silent. And the snow yeah, helps yeah. with that. So, oh, yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, so it's like a, when you're alone or, or with someone close to you in an environment like this, it's dark, it's quiet. Uh, I feel that you somehow have an easier connection to whatever is out there, you know. Yeah, yeah, There's absolutely. No distractions or anything like that. Uh, but I might be wrong, but that's what I what I feel after reading and talking with so much people, you know. There's something there's something out there. Yeah, no, I certainly got that impression. I mean, that's another one. Like I said, the book really gave me a lot of food for thought. Um, and that was another one of the sort of aspects of the book that you, you cited there, uh, yeah, that like in the darkness, in the quiet, uh, you're more apt to experience this thing. Maybe whatever this other is, you know. So it's very interesting. Now, you mentioned uh, talking to one of the witnesses contemporaneously. I thought that was a really awesome aspect of the book. Um, and, in, in, and I know realize that you can't find a lot of these people, a lot of stuff. But in some instances, you do find uh, the people who were at the core of these classic cases, um, what was, do they, what, are they happy to hear from you? It's like, it's not a funny person. <laughs> they like, you, you know, you ring them up and you're like, hey, you remember how you saw that flying thing with the ball on the string back in the, in the 70s or whatever? Like, can we talk about it? 
Uh, I can imagine. What was the reaction mm-hmm. when you talked to some of these folks? Well, I'm 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 not like one of those cool researchers in 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 movies who just grabs the phone and you know hey tell me about it you know I'm 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 very I'm I'm almost too respectful to people's private lives uh, uh, so I I. I I often try very, very safely. I write an email first, sometimes even a written paper letter if they don't have an email oh, or wow. anything. And I, I, it's like a little presentation of myself and uh, a quite uh, kind description reference to what they experienced Bec- because it could be had been a very traumatic ex- experience for them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I don't want to, you know, fuck up their day basically. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so often I leave it to that. You know, I, I, I write that there's no stress if you want to talk about it. I, I'd love to do an interview. You know, I can call you. We can, you know, and I'd say that m- basically everyone. Uh, agreed to talk with me. Um, the only one who didn't want to talk, she was very nice, is the, the, the woman who in 1977, I think it was, no, 79, uh, got offered chocolate from two alien beings. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she said that, yeah, something happened at night, but I don't feel for talking about it. So I, I try to ask her once a year, you know, if she's willing to talk about it. Um, but most of them has been very, very grateful that someone wants to listen and yeah. someone see importance in this, you know, because yeah, I, yeah. I do, I do, you know. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear their story because sometimes these stories has turned twisted and, and you know, far from the truth over all these years, you know. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. what I loved about the book because oftentimes I read these books and it's like, here's the story from 1970, and this kid, and you got his name, and it's like, has anyone ever tried to fucking track these people down and find out, like, A, get the story again from the original source, like, B, because, as you said, then it gets printed in another book, and that gets picked up in a third book, and by the time, like, it gets out in 2023, you're on, like, the sixth iteration (laughs) of the story, and it's changed in little ways that kind of nullify it in a lot of ways, so it's... Yeah, I love that. I I salute you, man. I've been I read a lot of books, and it's like, why didn't I? How come there's never any part where you're like, I called the guy, I found him on Facebook, and asked him about what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel it's very, very important. And I mean, I, I'm looking into quite old cases, so often people have passed away, you know, yeah, and, yeah. It's not and then I, I'm just going for the original written report, you know, which you can find at the uh, archives for the unexplained in, in Norrköping, Sweden. The, 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 I'm sure Klaus talked about it in 2009. Sure, yeah, this, yeah. yeah, this huge archive. Uh, because I feel it, it's, uh, it's, yeah, sometimes it obviously kills your darlings when you realize that the case might not be as spectacular as that apologies right but there's often other things which i find make it even more interesting details and how they perceive things how they feel uh because obviously they had an experience that meant something for them i mean it's something they 
probably think about every day or you know every week at least. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always the off chance, like you get somebody on the phone or, or on, you're communicating with them or whatever, and they're like, you know, they told their story back in the 70s, and then who knows? Nowadays, mm-hmm. they, in this day and age, they might be like, there's one thing that I remembered like 15 years ago, and it's like, well, since no one's fucking talked to them in 40 <laughs> years, like here's a fascinating new detail that they hadn't, <laughs> that is not on the record anywhere. So this is a chance, if they're willing to talk, that you might get new, fresh details that 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 they didn't even remember or know uh, when they first told the original story. So I think that's a that's a great avenue to pursue, and I'm glad that you're doing it with these Swedish cases. I I, yeah. I hope more folks who are doing similar research consider that. And I know exactly what you're saying, where it's like it's a really it's a tightrope because you don't want to dredge up this traumatic experience. So I think what you do sounds like the right way to do it, sort of, but gently be like, hey. I'm out here if you're ready to talk. You know, don't go banging on their door and be like, hey, what happened with that thing in 1970? I want to know all about it. But, yeah, I, I, if we could find a way to get to get in touch with more of these people, yeah, that would be very interesting, I think, and, and fruitful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm really hoping, I mean, the project I'm working with now, I hope that will help people to uh, tell their stories, you know, without, yeah. uh, I mean, getting laughed at or something because i mean people are experiencing so weird things out there sometimes they never tell anyone about it just keeping it right within them you know uh i mean i heard stories that are so strange and i can understand how to talk about these things you know it's like yeah right where to do it you know uh but i also feel it's a it's a it's it's part of our culture of storytelling uh these kind of stories i think it's important for them to be able to stay alive uh so that's i mean i wrote this book in english of course because i felt that okay these some of these stories has it's only known within a a small bubble of people here in sweden right they deserve a larger audience uh i think um because it's it's like because they're stories um, and I mean stories. I mean, someone have told these stories, which by itself it's it's a gift somehow. So yeah, they deserve to live on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like I said, I, I really hats off to you, man, because it's one of those things I've been wanting to see more of and, and never do. And then I'm like, holy shit, he actually talked to these people afterwards. <laughs> like, oh, oh my god, finally. Uh, <laughs> will you? You ascribe, and you're, from the book I take it, sort of obviously, you don't know what this is all about. You're speculating, you're theorizing, you're contemplating this in the book. Um, And I like that a lot. You sort of put a lot of sort of thought into the role of the person, in a way. And I thought it was interesting, at at one point, you, you observe, you say, one might ask why these beings always come to our little planet to ask for uh, help or support. And it is really advice or support. It's really interesting. That is very often the case. It's like, and that even permeates sort of the abduction thing where it's like they need us, you know, one of the running theories of stories is like, oh, they need to work with our genetics to create a new race of people or whatever because they're dying or something. It's like, it's a very, and and sort of you, it's and you sort of, I feel like it was kind of teasingly where you say one might ask why in a sense where it's like, Maybe we should ask why. Like maybe there's a maybe this is a 
psychological subconscious species yearning like that we're fucking important that they need us maybe that kind of takes the experiencer it gives them some kind of comfort level where it's like oh, okay they're not here to hurt me they need help from me yeah or yeah. The, our species or something it's a very interesting observation on your part and uh you know extrapolate on that if you if you <laughs> if well i I feel that, uh, yeah, mankind, because I'm a cynic myself, mankind is a horrifying species. But it's also quite, yeah, but it's also a quite beautiful, fantastic species, something we should cherish, of course, and and everything we've created and and done. And I think we're quite good at, at... taking us down that we don't mean anything we're we're nothing in this vast universe uh, uh i i mean you have those who of course claims that all ancient structures were built with the help of aliens which is uh, kind of a slap in the face of those those civilizations uh right, in, right. in in many ways and uh, uh let's see now i was I, I, I'm on my way with this rant. Uh, uh, I'm, just, I'm just going to... <laughs> uh, what was your first initial... Well, the idea being, the idea being uh, that these people experience... The, the, the beings, the other, they need our help. Is it yeah, like... Yeah. In my mind, it's also... The question comes up where it's like, is this... Is that part of the dance on their part? Is that just to disarm us? to disarm yeah. the experiencer where it's like almost like with a child where it's like okay you go find me that flower over there or whatever so it's kind mm-hmm. of you wonder in a sense if it's what what that dance is all about what that like we need your help kind of thing is well well you you, you can see it as once again uh, i'm not claiming that the the phenomenon isn't real that it's just hallucinations or it's you know something made up in any way right right but i also feel that the phenomenon itself is it, it is a mirror of ourselves and our our consciousness our beliefs our you know cultural structures whatever it is you know so so when for example when uh, people meet aliens and the aliens tell them that you need to take care of this planet you need to stop pollution etc so it's a it's a part of ourselves that's speaking there. It's it's some kind of guilt, maybe subconscious yeah. guilt. Um, uh, so, I, but no matter what, I I think that when we study the phenomenon, we study uh, high strangeness cases, whatever it it is, it's it's it, we're we're studying ourselves in in yeah. one one way to paraphrase or to to uh, to quote Krishnamurti. Um, uh, the observer is the observed, you know, it's it's all the same somehow. Uh, yeah. But of course, that's not an explanation for what it is, because I have no idea what it is. But <laughs> right, right. Well, I think we all grapple with the question of like, not only what is this thing, but also sort of like, what is the purpose behind it? Yeah. You know, I think that really is the big question, even more so than sort of like what constitutes these things. It's like, why are they fucking showing up? Why are you... Why are people having these experiences? Like, is it meant to, as you said, it like sparks this curiosity in them. Is it like meant to do that? Is that why people have these experiences? Some people have these terrifying experiences. So, you know, it's a very, 
It's it's the sort of big question. I don't expect you to know, <laughs> know the answer to that. But, but I, I think that I is what drives us in a way to try to figure out what the purpose is behind these experiences. But I I, I think it's pointless to find an you know um you know, an answer to what the purpose is actually. Right, I, right. I I'm always getting back to Johnny Elteni who who in every episode he's in somewhere says that the phenomenon wants us to go out and play to discover to have fun and. Yeah. You know, I, I choose to be uh, naive there. I think that might be it. And if we go out and we're we're prepared to be scared, it might be a frightening experience. If we go out and decide to have fun, which, of yeah. course, I understand it's not easy when you're getting abducted by someone out in the forest. Right. And scary by itself. But I think that affects a lot how the the... The experience will will be what your what your attitude is. I mean, I've experienced some stuff which would you could call it high strangeness or within you know the os factor or or things like that. But I never I've always managed to keep some kind of observer state. You know, I'm more interested yeah, yeah. in studying it than being happy or afraid or whatever it just happens and i look at it and afterwards i say what the fuck basically but right right yeah yeah yeah, yeah you mentioned those in the book some kind of black shadowy mass or something oh like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for example for example so yeah yeah well yeah i mean that's probably the safest or most fruitful again word uh to way to sort of uh experience this kind of thing just kind of be mm-hmm. like okay this is happening I'm going to just go with it and see. Again, you're right. It's tough when they're strapping you to a fucking bed and <laughs> stick needles in you and shit. But it's like, oh, well. Yeah, I, I, I have a deep respect for, for those who experience that. So I, I, I'm, I don't mean to make fun of anyone. No, here, no, not at all. No. It's, it's more, um, yeah, something I've, I've noticed, basically. So. Yeah, uh, that's like the yeah. worst case scenario for an encounter. That's the, that's oh, the yeah. one you don't oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Hopefully, this will draw a laugh from you because you it mentioned at some point your sort of evolution in the in, in, in interest in all this stuff. And you and you say that you went through my edgelord conspiracy phase. <laughs> so, so, I... <laughs> I told you, man. I picked up the little nuggets that stuck out to me, and I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute, slow down, friend. Don't go so far. I'm pulling you back on this one. What, what was your, <laughs> what was your edge lord conspiracy phase? Well, it was. Uh, I mean, it's a bit embarrassing. I'm sorry. I, I promise, it, it wasn't flat Earth or anything like that. It was, you know, it's you. You were, watching, here. <laughs> you, you were watching Zeitgeist about 9-11 and such, like, uh, such things like that. And I felt, uh, uh, I mean, make no mistake, I still find conspiracy or the conspiracy culture interesting because it's interesting to study how stories evolve and, you know, travel around. And, of course, there is conspiracies. I mean, of course. I mean, that's yes. what it is. But I also felt when... I mean, I, 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 I've never been extreme, you know, I have a, a I, I can control myself quite good, but there, right. there was a moment, there was a moment where I felt that I was watching everything that came up and I was reading and I bought books and I read it and I didn't feel good about it. 
Right, yeah. Yeah, after I finished yeah. something, I just felt this black hole opening up in, in my chest. You know, this... this yeah, well, that's a very, yeah. it's a very healthy response then on yeah. your part, because I think that's what... I think other people don't have that self-awareness, and that's what leads them down a very dark place. Yeah. So it's... it's you, The fact that you had that self-awareness and kind of, I take it, climbed out of the rabbit hole, that's a, yeah. that's a good thing. I mean, I, I mean, my, 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 my drive in life is, it's often some kind of, uh, joyful pleasure with things. I want to, I want to feel joy. I want to right, be right. happy. I want to be with nice people. And I noticed reading this stuff and reading deeper into it, it's like it, I didn't make me feel good and I hate to feel bad. You know, right, I right. don't, you know, I mean, the, the only, time i read about stuff like that nowadays is and here's because i'm an old man is the jfk assassination because yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you know it's 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 horrible to say but it feels a bit more innocent than today. it is no it is absolutely yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's more it's every a conspiracy definitely instills a feeling of like despair and smallness. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's like, I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're pretty, I mean, I, I kind of like, yeah, I, I think I probably kind of went a little bit through that period too at post nine 11. It was just like, at some point I was like, well, we're fucked. Okay. We're fucked. So there's no, you know, we're, the new world is going to happen. I can't fucking change that. I'm going off to do more Bigfoot UFO stuff. Cause I don't see, I don't want to just keep being like, well, we're fucked this week, guys. So let's talk about how they're putting, they're, they're putting fluoride in the water or whatever. They're spraying chemicals in the sky. It's like, oh, all right. I can't, I can't, I don't want to live like that. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. some people go down that despair rabbit hole. Um, on a similar note, I think we're both cut from the same cloth where we just really just want to have a good time all the time. I, I thought it really interesting. You said Sweden has, and I like the description here, has a more laid back and mellow UFO culture. What is, <laughs> I guess the mellow is what kind of like, so what is that? What is that? What does that entail? What is, what is the laid back and mellow UFO culture entail? What, page, uh, what, what inspired that description? Then? This is on yeah. page 132. <laughs> 132. Uh, uh, I have to take a look here. Where is it? Uh, it's. Uh, oh, you yeah, might have been yeah. contrasting it with American ufology. I don't know. Let me see. Yeah, it's exactly. It's in comparison with with uh, with Beckley and UFO universe. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a bit unclear what I mean there. But I mean, if you if if you look at UFO culture from the 80s and 90s and compare it to Swedish. It's like looking at, you know, Las Vegas on mushrooms, basically, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in the stories being sold and told in the, in the pure exploitative fashion of it. Uh, yeah. We never had that in Sweden. We had, right. of course, smaller magazines and, you know, uh, different kinds of scenes where, where people made things up or it was very speculative. But most of the UFO culture actually in Sweden has been within UFO Sweden, who have a very, yeah. uh, at least since 1980, a very rational point of view, you know. So it never really goes off you know, goes off into somewhere else, you know. Uh, so I think that's my, my, I mean, I have a couple of issues of UFO Universe and I love that magazine. It's fantastic, but I, 
don't believe a word in it. Uh, yeah, right. some smart, absolutely. But but uh, you, the, in, in Sweden, it's so much drinking coffee, talking quietly over kitchen tables, looking yeah. out at the forest, comparing to the more... Uh, I, um, make no mistake, I love American ufology, but it's more, yeah, yeah. sometimes more vulgar. It's a circus. <laughs> yeah, it's a circus. Kind of a circus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, that's fun by itself, absolutely. But in Sweden, we, we, we don't have that, really. It's yeah. it's very, very exotic. I was in Las Vegas quite recently, and I've <laughs> never, I've been in the United States before, but I've never been in a place like that. That's yeah. absolutely bizarre. Uh, <laughs> and I mentioned it to some Americans, and they said, "Yeah, other Americans feel the same." So, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. So it's it's from someone from Sweden who's a quite calm, gray country. It's 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 very strange looking at these old magazines. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds very refreshing in a sense because, as I said, it is a circus here, which is fun. But eventually, you're like, <laughs> I'm kind of circused out. I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> deal with this circus atmosphere uh, mm-hmm. but is there <clears throat> without straying too far into the UAP as I call it era which came about you know post 2017 has there because uh, <laughs> what what a lot of the people nowadays who are just getting into this don't want to know is that they've been fucking pushing the US government for answers on UFOs for decades so this isn't some new thing yeah, has yeah. there Bit, was there was there that kind of was there ever that kind of like movement or um, push in a sense just to be like hey Swedish government what do you guys know about this from the Swedish ufologists? Well, I'd say that I mean I I read tons of older magazines uh, Swedish magazines about it where where you read where you can get a quite good overview of over the subject and. Uh, I could feel that by the end of the 70s, early 80s, there were some push towards that yeah. direction that, uh, you know, they have to, you know, maybe not that they're hiding stuff, but they need to be more open about it. Right. I guess that's part of the, I guess that's kind of part of the question in a sense. Also, the belief, because here mm-hmm. it's like there's this belief that the government is hiding UFO. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering also if that's part of the culture there, too, or if it's just like, hey, they probably don't even know what it is, which is like, I, I wish more people here <laughs> in America took that perspective, because I think that might be more likely. Um, but but I guess that's kind of what I'm wondering, too, if there's that belief that there's a grand cover-up or, or a governmental cover-up of UFOs in the Swedish, with the Swedish people, as mm. far as the Swedish government. Like, we all kind of assume the American government's hiding well, something. That's beside the point. Well, I mean, actually, during recent years, there's been a couple of smaller groups that... Uh, uh, kind of tries to push this agenda that the Swedish military is hiding something. If you yeah. ask me, they don't know anything, or they're aware of normal observations. You know, weird stuff flying around, but nothing too spectacular. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this year, 2023, no less than two anonymous whistleblowers has come out in Sweden and oh, wow. appeared, on, yeah, uh, appeared on podcasts, both with distorted voices. Um, both of oh, them wow. claim, claim to uh, work within the, the surveillance intelligence uh, agencies in, in Sweden. And uh, uh, both of them 
reveals that there's been, no, one of them reveals that there's been a UFO crash and a possible crash retrieval in the 90s in Sweden, etc., etc. Uh, the other one, the first one is quite ridiculous, actually. I, I, it feels like he's just making things up. The other right. one seems a bit more serious until he comes to the part where he claims that aliens built the pyramids. And then oh, I thought, uh, anyway, um, the, the, here's the thing. Uh, when they do these references to crash retrievals or UFO crashes in Sweden, they offer references already known cases. But in these interviews, they say that this is, of course, uh, uh, top secret. You know, it's classified. You can't talk about it. But this, this UFO crash in the in the 90s were, for example, uh, uh, a very, very interesting incident in 99 where a triangular-shaped uh, object crashes into a lake. There's seven witnesses, and it flies over them, and it kind of makes a left turn, and so it won't crash into the forest on the other side of the lake, and it right. goes into the water. Uh, so it's it's obviously something intelligent crash there could of course have been some military or something like that but it, it crashed there so i i guess that's the crash they're referring to but that's right. something that's it's known now uh yeah, people yeah, yeah. know about it if you have some certain knowledge uh but no i i wouldn't say in general that people think the military is hiding stuff here in sweden of course this stuff regarding you know the, the nation's um, what do you say, security? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Threat things and stuff like that. But, but compared to the American military, the Swedish military is so open. Yeah. Uh, there's very little, you know, the secrecy. There's uh, there's very little of this paranoia, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, have, we have, you know, military uh, facilities quite close to where we live. And it's it's like... Totally chill to walk into those. No one cares really. It's it's oh, like wow. it's, it's it's very of course not everywhere, but uh, it's a very very chill relationship between the public and the military here compared to, yeah. the, to the United States. So yeah, that's, that's my long comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Now, you came to America recently. I saw you in America. What were you doing? Uh, you mentioned it, actually. What were you doing in America uh, during your visit here? Oh, it was a fantastic trip. Uh, we're shooting a documentary series about the UFO phenomenon, and mm -hmm. uh, we felt we needed to meet some people in the United States and visit yeah. some places uh to boost things up a little bit because i mean the broadcaster who bought it they they like the american connection so of course we have ah. to, we have to use those darn pentagon videos a couple of times too much oh i, oh, I see yeah. there you go yeah but, but outside of that yeah uh we first went to las vegas and drove out to area 51 uh okay so actually heck, 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 yeah all right yeah. so which was uh you know, I didn't expect much from it, but I found it to be very, very creepy to be out there. Eerie. Yeah. Uh, it's silent. There's no people. But you still kind of understand that someone is watching you from somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were at the back, back door drive, I think. 
and one of those white uh, jeeps uh, trucks came and and uh, blocked the road for us so we couldn't drive from there and no one else could drive up to us which yeah. felt very very it was scary i felt paranoid you know yeah uh, yeah uh, and then we 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 went and met a representative of the Raelian movement in the United States. Oh, wow. States. Yeah, it was okay. a strange experience, weird, but I, yeah. And then we Sounds went cool. up to, yeah, and then we went to San Francisco because we wanted to get into the Seoul conference. Yes, um, okay. I heard a little bit about some, some shenanigans. It's not yeah. on your part, but. <laughs> yeah, that was so bizarre. It felt like we were in the middle of a conspiracy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We booked a lot of you know heavy, cool names, and suddenly they stopped. You know, we didn't hear from them, or they they cancelled our meetings. You know, like one or two days before. Yeah. And uh, Aviloab told Klaus, Klaus one who was with us, told him that there's there someone was spreading the the rumor that we were a prank team. Yeah. You know, kind of like Borat. Something like right, that. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had long conversations with Gary Nolan about it, who was quite aggressive, I'd say. But we said we're willing to pay one million dollars if if we, you know, make fun of you. You know, it's it's because it's so bizarre. But in the end, <laughs> wait, a minute, wait. He was aggressive, like you better not make fun of me, kind of thing. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, jeez. Uh, uh, but I think also. To be fair, that he was super stressed. He had this huge conversation yeah, yeah. with He's, everyone yeah. around, and suddenly this weird fucking Swede shows up and wants to do it. Right, I can I totally see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can understand. It that. happens, but in the end, it worked out well. Yeah, I mean, we did the interviews with Avilo and Leslie Kane and Whitley Strieber, and uh, even uh, uh, Rizvan Virik, who is this simulation guy, very very yeah. interesting guy. Uh, so we got so much great stuff, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really, really happy we 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 did the trip, uh, and it Excellent. was for me an experience for life. You know, <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, it's interesting. It was it the yeah, it's interesting because the conference was sort of like, uh, from what I understand, they tried to be very serious about the subject, and it's like you can't. You can't divorce the absurdity from it. And no, you, no, no. you experienced it yourself. Like, where it's like, okay, now there's a rumor going around. There's a Swedish prank show here. It's <laughs> like, you can't, no matter how serious you try to get, you can't escape the absurdity of the phenomenon. It just won't, yeah, it won't yeah, detach yeah. itself from, from it. So, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, after a while, we were laughing about it because it was so absurd. And uh, but I'm I'm just so happy that we became friends with everyone again. It it made us miss a couple of interviews, but you know stuff that happens. Uh, uh, but it was it was an uh, an experience really. Uh, and yeah. It will be fascinating also to see how the Swedish people, Swedish audience, will react to this. Because they're known in the United States and internationally, but in Sweden, they don't know who who uh, you know Avi Loeb is or or, or yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Mellon or or you know they have no idea or very very few ideas about it. Um, so we'll see. I'm quite nervous actually. <laughs> and this is going to air on TV in Sweden. 
Once again? Yes, obviously. This is going to air on Swedish TV, right? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's on TV4, which is a big broadcaster. Okay. It'll be, yeah. be four episodes. Um, oh, wow. I'm, 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 I'm the researcher. I'm story producer. I am in front of the camera. So it's, it's, uh, it's been so cool. You know, I actually started off this four years ago with a, a magical sigil and magical system by Mitch Horowitz because yeah. my, yeah, uh, 10 day miracle challenge. I, I was so tired of what, what, uh, what I was doing and I didn't want to do this. And I, I said, yeah, okay, I'm going to try it one more time or else I will be a therapist or something. So I said, I want to do UFOs <laughs> on television in front of the camera. Uh, and 10 days later, the first telephone call came in offering me work with this paranormal show. And since then, it's been on a roll all the time. You know, it's constantly. So I, yeah. I've, I've been afraid I'm not going to do one of those sigils again, one of those 10-day miracles. I'm going to look into this 10-day miracle thing. Shit, yeah, it's, sounds it's, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's just that I, it's too much. I need to just relax a bit here. <laughs> now, before I forget this question, uh, it's probably a question you've probably never gotten on an interview before, but what the fuck were you, was this the Swedish bachelor you were working on or the American bachelor when you were in Africa? Because I'm like, wait, this guy's working on the fucking bachelor? Like, where, where did this come from? It it was the Swedish Bachelor, so you, oh, okay. you've never seen it, actually. <laughs> uh, we, it sounds we pretty cool. You get to hang out in, in the the plains of Africa or whatever. Yeah, it's awesome. so cool. You know, we live uh, lived at the res resort, so and we really, you know, wasn't allowed to leave that resort, but we, we did anyway. Uh, so, uh, for example, the location were uh, out on the on the um, in the reserve, you know, far out, and yeah, yeah, we, we had to like, you know, there were fucking lions sleeping on the road in the morning. We just had to sit there and wait for them because we couldn't do anything, you know. It was yeah. such a cool experience. And as I write about the book, standing there looking up at the Milky Way is still something that gives me, you know, chills because it was so powerful. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So sometimes working on those kind of projects can be quite fun, actually. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it just was like, I was so like, <laughs> as I told you, the shit that made you raise my eyebrows, I'm like, all right, make a note of that. And I actually just thought of that just now, because I'm like, oh, yeah, there was that thing with The Bachelor. What the fuck was that all about? So, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> now, did I was looking at the notes from Klaus, and I was wondering, he mentioned this, I mean, we don't have to go over the Ghost of Carlson case, but it, it's this ghost, and I may have butchered the pronunciation, so I apologize, but the Ghost of Carlson case, I'm reading through my my recap of the interview with Klaus, and he mentions how uh, she was given a ring and a rod by the visitor, and then UFO Sweden had the ring and the rod, and then it was, then it vanished. Is there any, did they ever figure out what happened to that thing? No, no, no. It's, it's still lost. Still lost. Probably it is just a daughter who owns these, keeps them hidden away. Uh, they had them for a moment during these exhibitions. This was before my time. Yeah. And so the daughter took them afterwards. He had actually promised that Ufo Sweden would oh. get them after his, de his death. Ah, all right. Uh, but he didn't. So these things are still lost after all these years, uh, which is a, is a pity. They're somewhere. Um, 
I mean, I, I listened to the, the episode with Klaus the other day because I, I, you know, I'm curious now what did he say. Yeah. Um, and uh, as of now, he's he's quite skeptical about the case itself, but it's a, oh, such wow. a weird, strange case anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously something that happened to him. Uh, he probably mentioned, but they found the diary notes from, like, I don't know, the same year or the year after or two years after, which referred to these things and these visions he had about meeting these creatures. Uh, I mean, he talked officially the, officially about it the first time in the 70s. So there was obviously something going on there. Yeah. Uh, uh, even earlier. You know, some people right. say, okay, it's just a business thing. You know, you, you do a good story and you can sell your, uh, uh, your medicine, which was something he invented in relationship to this. But there, there, there's something more to it. But where, I have no idea. You know, yeah. it's an inside thing or something. Uh, if you come to Sweden, you need to visit the UFO monument uh, in Engelholm, uh, which he built. A monument? Build. Yeah, he built a monument there uh, in like the early 70s. So you can oh, walk wow. through the forest and you can find the whole, you know, the, 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 the meadow where the UFO landed. And there's a concrete version of the UFO standing there and he even marked where the grave is where they oh, buried, wow. yeah they buried the alien bodies there for a couple of hours for example uh, <laughs> it's a good place yeah <laughs> well speaking of alien bodies another part of the book that I really liked a lot uh, was almost not so much the, the story which is fantastic and I'll sort of I'll give folks the, the thumbnail like this story that, that you got tipped off from Brett Swanser who's been on but all of America before um, and is a friend of the show so he had found a story about a UFO that crashed in Sweden and a dead alien popped out. An alien popped out. He was dying. Spoke like perfect Swedish. He's like, put me in this fucking bag and then put the bag <laughs> in the water. And like the water kind of like dissolves the bag and the alien. And so fantastic story. What I really liked is you kind of take us through the process of how you were like trying to track this down. And remarkably, mm-hmm. it sounds like it didn't, it, it, it sounds like it at least, it's it's within the realm of possibility. It's not, you know, at first you were kind of like, oh, I think this might have been a bullshit story made up. But then as time went on, you got closer and closer to kind of finding the guy who's since passed away who wrote the story. And it's like, okay, well, certainly this dude seemed to be doing a good faith reporting on this account. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he... I mean, I, I, I didn't know, and, he, and he's passed away. Uh, but, I mean, if, even if if there's truth in that he actually met the guy who told him this story, I, I feel there is something to it. Maybe just very, very distorted from how it was from the beginning. Um, yeah. uh, but I still, I mean, I still haven't found, I, ha- I haven't been able to go deeper into the story to actually see right. if there is, you know, uh, someone out there, like the brothers he mentions in it, uh, uh, trust me, I've been really trying to pinpoint it on 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 maps and look at companies from the time who did forest works, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but never really gotten closer to the mystery. Uh, uh, but it is a very, very good story and very, very similar to this UFO contactee book that was published earlier. I don't, I don't remember the, the title of it at the moment. Yes. Um, but it's it's one of those. Um, you know, it's it's one of those stories that 
that lives on. And I, I, you know, I like hoaxers, you know, even if this is a hoax or totally made up, I truly, truly enjoy when people make up stories that gets their own lives and continues to, to spread. And yeah, you can discuss the morality of that. Is that okay to do? But I mean, it's, so much anyway in, in this business with, with weird stories. Sometimes you have absolutely no idea where to, you probably can't even find the source for it. It just appears suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, and, and I enjoy that. I, I, I do enjoy that uh, a lot. I mean, sometimes these old stories creates new stories, maybe yeah. real stories, you know, or yeah, experiences. Yeah. And yeah, I, they kind of give a frame to, to other people's experiences. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain school of thought that's like if you put out, if a hoax gets put out, it can generate some yeah. version of whatever you just put out into the, into the ether. So it's like, it's not, it's yeah. People, people score on the hoax, but there's, there could be some kind of like mechanism at work there. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, that's what I like about the book too, where you, you you're not like a true believer in any sense of the word. You're kind of like this could be a hoax, this could be a misidentification. At one point, there's a story of some kids are running down a road, they see some beings come out, and like God bless you, man. Like in the book, you're like this could have been moonshiners because <laughs> it was a cave they ran out of, and it was like yeah, he's, you know, we can't discount the moonshiners here. This is totally possible. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, the, the most, I mean, in that case, I, I think I write that the most important thing is his own experience from it. What, what did it yeah. give, give, give to him? And happily, it, it made him a, a happy person. I mean, I, once again, I totally understand if this, you know, brings you in the total opposite direction, of course, but, right. uh, but the, the, there is something with this, this, uh, this, uh, this highly, personal experience of something uh, i think that's that's a lot more important than sometimes it's more important than evidence or prints or whatever you know it's if it yeah if it makes you, if it, it, if it makes you happy good <laughs> right well i said this the other night when we were taping the uh your interview show where it's like the more the longer you're in this you kind of come to the conclusion the realization where it's like the phenomenon, yes, it comes in many colors and many variations, but it's like it really never fucking changes. It's like the people are the ones who change. Like the mm -hmm. people who experience the thing change. The people who get mixed up in researching this stuff, they change. It's like the phenomenon, it, 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 it causes this change in people mm -hmm. um, while actually kind of being fairly fucking static despite coming <laughs> at it, coming at you in different variations and flavors. So uh, the, the mystery remains the same for for always, but it changes the people in a way that I think a lot I think has got lost in the original sort of early era of like looking into this. That now more people are kind of like, well, how did that affect you? What happened to mm -hmm. you afterwards? So that's a, an area to discuss. And and what I really like to throw back to sort of Swedish ufology. I don't know. Maybe you can speak to this. I mean, we have, you've kind of lit a fire under me in a way where it's like, I think maybe as we go forward here in 2024, I'm going to try and get back to what, how Klaus Vaughn ended up on Banal of America in the first place, which was like, I need to start talking to these people, English speaking researchers in other countries to find out the history in these other countries. What I really love 
I remember from talking to Klaus and from reading this book, especially, it's just how vivid and rich the history of ufology in Sweden is. It's mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of left wondering how, if it's similar in other countries. I'm sure it is, but it seemed particularly vivid in Europe and Sweden. I suppose that's a testament to to the Swedish ufologists, to the people, you know, to Klaus and the folks who, who really put this all together and kind of kept this going in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and stuff. Because it's like, you're referencing all kinds of magazines, you're, there's a huge archive there, it's like, there is a fucking wealth of information mm-hmm. on UFOs in Sweden. It's really crazy. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, the, the, there's tons of it, absolutely. I mean, if you ever visit Sweden, visit the archive, you, you won't believe your eyes, basically. Yeah. We're, Sweden is often teased by our friendly neighboring countries, Norway, Finland, and Denmark. They they tease us for being a little bit too bureaucratic and dry sometimes. But if that's true, I think it kind of helps when it comes yeah. to things like this because we we love to just keep things in order. You know, we we we, right, right. we likes to collect stuff. We likes to you know work with archives and 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 look at things in a very very not very but quite rational way yeah, and, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah i think if if something is true about sweden i think that might be true and it it helped us having uh i would say a very solid stable uh ufology at least yeah. Uh, nowadays yeah yeah, it's tremendous. I, I was, I remember being blown away. Like I said, when I talked to Klaus, I was just like, holy shit, the, this is like, you guys have a really well-documented history of the <laughs> phenomenon. And I'm left wondering sort of, uh, how, how much, how, how much that applies to other countries. And, and yeah, I think it's also with Sweden, it might be a combination of this personality trait you're describing plus the sort of openness to the folkloric aspect of like mm-hmm. the gnomes and the elves and stuff. It's kind of like the perfect storm to look at this look at this mystery in a way yeah yeah it, it could be it could be i mean i think i think it's helped a lot that we're quite open to ghosts people are yeah. quite willing to talk about ghosts and i think that helped a lot uh, even like i mentioned before it's still a little bit stigma with all this weirdness you know but it's it's getting right. more open more more okay to talk about it and i i hope that ufo sverige ufo sweden has helped out with that you know people should be they shouldn't be afraid to contact us you know we might try to find an answer without a doubt but there's no there's no blind belief or there's no you know hardcore debunker style thing it's more like what the heck is it you know let's see yeah like let's take a look at it yeah yeah exactly um it's interesting you mentioned the whistleblowers coming out it's, it's got to be like something in the air. It's got to be like in the zeitgeist because you got the David Grush guy coming on, then you got these people whistleblowers in Sweden. It's, I think there's sort of a, I think there's sort of whatever the mood here in America is, it might be like spreading to other parts mm-hmm. of uh, of the world. Although I often wonder, there's so many. <laughs> you're on social media. So many angry UAP buffs from England. I'm always just like, why are you a Why are you so fucking angry? And B <laughs> Why don't you bother your own government about this, dude? Like yeah. they're all—they're so fired up about American disclosure. It's like you—you you got a government on your own, man. Like why don't you guys just just hassling whoever the version of your Congress people are? It seems mm-hmm. kind of, I've always kind of wondered about that. It's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of sad, you know, because the 
the UAP bros, as I call them here in Sweden, are. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I have friends there. You know, it's it's fine. You know, but you have some quite extreme, very angry persons who who actually think that UFO Sweden is part of the cover up that oh, were paid God. off by the CIA to hide the truth about UFOs. And that kind of, yeah, how to debate with that? How to even... You can't, yeah. Exactly. It's like so so absurd, you know, by, uh, you know, I, 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 I always tell people, you know, just if these people just could do their thing, you know, they could write emails to the Swedish military, they could be interested in UFOs, be happy. Why this anger? Why yeah, this yeah. bitterness and paranoia? It takes away all the fun with it, you know. I, yeah, I, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you. that's been a recurring theme on the show uh, since we relaunched and everything. Yeah, it's like the UAP scene, there's that anger underneath it all, and it, it, it's taken a lot of the fun out of it because it's like yeah, 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 a yeah, sense yeah. of entitlement. It's like, why are you, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's like, like, why are you so fucking angry about this? Yeah, I say, yeah, it's yeah. just flying saucers. Like, this is supposed to be fun. I don't <laughs> yes. know why. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, no, man. Yeah, I totally agree. For me, UFOs are fun, and that's how I'm gonna, you know, how that's how I'm gonna continue to look at it. You know, it's something, yeah, yeah. and something it needs to give me something. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird how people works, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know. I'm trying to not provoke them too much, you know. No, I know. Oh, yes, yes. I don't think they listen to Been All American anymore, so. <laughs> they it, well, they maybe like, they do in secret, you know. You know. Yeah. I'm sure some do. I'm sure yeah. some do. <laughs> <laughs> when I shit all over their dreams, they're like, all right, I don't think I am this guy anymore, but hey, I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, well, it's interesting. I'm going to let you go in a few minutes, so uh, don't worry, but uh, it is interesting. I talked about I don't know if it was Vasilya Edgar or uh, Steve Berg, I think. We talked about this on the show where it's like the – and I, I hate to – I'm not name-dropping, folks. I'm just sort of providing footnotes for but all American listeners who are like, you already fucking talked about – so, you know, that's kind of – so I can classify it in my head. Um, it is interesting that we talked earlier about we don't see these humanoid encounters anymore. It's like you got to – it's like all this shit's like so hard to find because it's spread out all over social media now. But there are, I think you do find, I think you, not you personally, but I think uh, us as, as interested parties can find this stuff. But you have to find it like in these fucking far flung social media circles where before it would just be in the county newspaper or in the local newspaper or something like that. So that's, I think that's part of the challenge. But also the de- democratization of the Internet allows for these stories to get out there. So it's an interesting conundrum, if you will. I don't even know. There's no question attached to that. That's just kind of me rambling. But I noticed that you do, like you said, you found all these goblin stories. Uh, yeah, I think you said gnome stories on mm-hmm. on the Facebook pages and stuff like that. It's like you got to kind of go there to get any information nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, for example, the, the, the Facebook group is fantastic. It's like a treasure, what do you say, treasure trove? Treasure, treasure yeah, yeah. yeah. Treasure of people's stories that they will never uh, write down anywhere else. I mean, uh, there's you have this ordinary post where people say, hey, have you met any gnomes? And suddenly you have 150 
stories yeah, yeah. and people talking about it, which is like amazing. I'm I'm surprised that there is no one from you know the, uh, the folklore institute. I don't know what you call it in Sweden. Who's yeah, just not yeah. sitting there copying all of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, exactly. I try to do it instead because. Yeah, you could say, oh, it's in, it's on Facebook, but yeah, it's still it's still folklore. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah, if your grandma said it or uh, this crazy lady on Facebook. You know, it's still uh, yeah, that's being delivered. Yeah, yeah. Facebook has replaced the the local bar in a lot of ways, so it's like as far as we're going to hear a story like that. So it's yeah, not, yeah. It's really yeah. It's like for better or for worse, you got to kind of. <laughs> it's like Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know it's kind of shitty, but it's like the best place to get the information from. So, <laughs> so you got the. It, will people be able to see? Obviously, it's going to be Swedish, but like yeah. I assume the, the interviews are kind of an American. I mean, for interested parties, are they going to be able to see this on YouTube or whatever when the TV show comes up? Well, I, I'm sure. And when do you think that'll be coming up? When on in in March, I think the first episode okay. is, is aired. And uh, if you, ha- I, I guess probably if you have VPN, you can set it to uh, Twitter, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can look at uh, the TV4 broadcaster app. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, um, it could work, but it's yeah, it's made for for Sweden, yeah, yeah. which is kind of kind of sad because I I think it's so much fun and you know it's a yeah, it'd be cool to see. Movie. That's what I was asking. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, to yeah. See. So I will see. I, I hope at least. There will be some way for people to see it. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know yet. Yeah. So, well, I'm fascinated by this Swedish UFO culture. Like I said, because like you're citing like podcasts and shit, and it's like they have podcasts. Like <laughs> this is wild. Like I don't know why I feel so. I think it's the language barrier or something. But I'm just like, oh wow, it's we are all the same. We are all kind of trying to figure this out. So. Um, and you're the host of a podcast, right, over in Sweden. And you guys all yeah. obviously you speak Swedish. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's a Swedish one. It's called Märkletsvakton. It's a good one. We're uh, recording uh, episode 100 here in a couple of weeks. Wow. Uh, just about the latest high strangeness news from all around the world, like the two weeks or something. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that means it's a lot of baby cam ghosts and oh, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. stuff like that of course but hey, that's uh, how i make my money yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, other lots of dash cams and lots of surveillance dash cam cameras. surveillance yeah. yes ring cameras yep. yeah god bless them yeah 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 yeah, and, uh, yeah. Uh, i i uh, i admit that sometimes when i don't have any good story. I just check what you've written and I see if I can do something <laughs> with that. So, hey, uh, it's, it's, you, don't, you don't have to say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not copying well, it. I'm just using no, it absolutely story. not. No, no, no. I try to dig up as much as I can from all around the world. But yeah, more, more often than not, these videos are like, mm-hmm. I, I, when I see a really good one, then I'm like, wow, that's really good. Other times I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yeah, about yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, this, yeah it's been a lot of help there you go so the website for folks who want to check it out is uh fred anderson with two s's uh dot se the book is yeah. northern lights high strangers in sweden you get that right off amazon so um 
you know, that should be easy for folks to get. FredAnderson.se and your, let me see. Tell me your socials. That way I don't have to open the book. Well, I I think the best social media to follow me uh, is uh, Homo Satanis on Instagram and and Twitter and Blue Sky, wherever I am nowadays. Threads. I don't know. It's confusing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You're in the same kind of boat I am where it's like, I don't want to be on Twitter, but I have no other real option. And it's like, I'd rather leave here. It's like being at a really shitty party with, like, someone you really like. It's like, it's like, like, or a group of people you really like. So it's like, there's a group of you, you're all at a shitty party, and you're like, where should we go? You know, it's like, we should go here, we should go there, we should go there. It's like, let's just fucking stay here, and we'll endure the shittiness of this party. Right? It's not like the fucking mood and and weird Twitter or whatever. It's just like, we all don't want to fucking be here, but... There's nowhere a place everyone can agree to go. Yeah, so. yeah, that's uh, very, very well put. I totally agree <laughs> with you there. So. <laughs> oh. uh, what is this? All right. A book for the next guest that's going to be Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so what do you – obviously, the TV show, that's a, a big thing in Sweden. But, like, uh, are you going to do more English shit? Because your your book's fantastic. Um, I want to read more of your stuff. Uh, so do you have any plans for forthcoming books? You know, it's the classic what's next for you uh, show before I, a question before I let you well, enjoy your evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 o'clock here now. It's uh, well, my 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 plan and I'm not stressing it is that is to write a book about gnomes, Swedish gnomes. Uh, and I've begun slowly. I've gathered yeah. research and I've written a little bit here and there. So I hope that will be the next one. But I'm not going to stress it. The the first book, the first draft, I wrote very very fast, and then I just did small things for like a year after or yeah. two years. After. You know, it's probably I, a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I will try to do something similar here, but I need it. I need to maybe write it with a more clear understanding where I'm going with it. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But that, that's the plan. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope to see more of your stuff. Uh, I absolutely love the book. It was, it, like I said, it was really beautifully written and very thoughtful and conversational and fantastic and I, I, I highly encourage all of an all America listeners to pick it up. I, I think uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. I really did. I devoured it. I was like, this is this is a fun read. That's kind of the best way I can describe it in a lot of ways. It was just a lot of fun to read and, and uh, I was as you probably could tell maybe when we started I was just so excited to I'm like, oh it's gonna be fucking awesome. I can't wait. We're gonna be really <laughs> dig into this book and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I had a, a blast talking to you, Fred. I can't thank you enough for for coming on the show and uh, giving us so much of your time and everything. And I, I wish you the best of luck in the future. And I hope, uh, I hope we can talk again, you know, down the line, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much.